This is Investigator Dave Tullis with the Alaska State Troopers. Today's date is November the 8th, 1994. We're in Tucson, Arizona at the Pima County Jail. I'm with Detective Mike Grimes from the Anchorage Police Department and Detective Tom Davis with the Arizona Department of Public Safety of the Organized Crime Branch. And we're going to be talking to an inmate by the name of Jerry M. Paisley. The time now is 9.56. From iHeartMedia, this is Missing in Alaska, the story of two congressmen who vanished in 1972, and my quest to figure out what happened to them. I'm your host, John Walzak. What you just heard and what you're about to hear is a recreation of an interview of Jerry Max Paisley conducted by three investigators, Mike Grimes, Tom Davis, and Dave Tullis, on November 8, 1994, in Tucson, Arizona. Paisley, again, was the man Peggy Begich married less than 17 months after her husband, Congressman Nick Begich, disappeared in Alaska. Paisley and Peggy's marriage lasted two and a half years. They divorced in 1976. Paisley was a murderer and bomber with close ties to two mafia families, the Bonanos and the Licavolis. Initially, I obtained a transcript of this interview from the FBI by way of a FOIA or Freedom of Information Act request. But there was one big problem. Significant parts of the transcript were redacted, meaning they were blacked out. I could read some things, but not everything. So last year, I tried a different approach. I filed a records request with the Alaska Department of Public Safety, trying to get copies of the original interview tapes. For months, I fought with the Alaska DPS. And let me say, in more than a decade of requesting records at the federal, state, and local levels, I've never encountered a more difficult, obstinate, hard-to-work-with agency than the Alaska DPS, which tried to charge us almost $2,000 just to look and see whether or not the tapes even exist. Thankfully, though, I got a huge break when a source, who wants to remain anonymous, gave me a full, unredacted copy of the transcript. Thanks to that source, I now know everything Jerry Paisley told investigators in 1994. What you're about to hear is a verbatim reading of part of the transcript. We're not sharing the entire thing, mainly because it's 71 pages long. But this is the most important part. It's never been shared publicly. It's edited very lightly for clarity, mainly to remove ums, for example. We also bleat the N-word, which Paisley said twice. During this recreation, you'll hear certain sound effects. We put them in there to indicate parts of the transcript that are marked with inaudible or comments covered. Again, this is an exact reading of the transcript. The first words you'll hear are Paisley's, voiced by Scott C. Leeds. I don't know why things went the way they did sometimes. You know, I was just pretty much, I'm what they call in those days, there's two eras in my life. There's, there's two parts of my life. There's before drugs and after drugs. Mm -hmm. Before drugs, I was just basically a fucking thug, known as a do-things guy. If you wanted something done, you came to see me. Right. If it was right for me, I'd do it for you, sometimes without money. Sometimes I'd charge, you know, why wait for a favor later? You owe me. Right. You know? And I did a lot of that down here. I think my record shows that because I've had this, con well, not this conversation, but I've had conversations with people that he knows are in and out of the game, been retired for years. Mm -hmm. And we can go back in the records and see that. I'm a, I was a 
do things guy for some pretty big people at one time. You know, big people wanted me to do things for them. Sometimes I was taken advantage of. Sometimes I took advantage. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why things, sometimes, I don't know, I can't put it all together. I just know what happened and walked away, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Hale Boggs and, and Nick Baggage. Hale Boggs was a god, big man. He was Speaker of the House? Speaker of the House and or- just been into it with the FBI and all that shit. He'd been harassing the FBI pretty bad, <coughs> doing something against him. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. But I remembered it was something to do with him and the feds. There's a guy here in town called Joey Ayatarola. You know, you know of him. Mm-hmm. They call him Joey the Eye, mafioso from Chicago. You know, he's Nicky Palermo's cousin. He's on the outs with him, though, and he was with the Bananos. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people suspect that. A lot of people think that. But he was, jo- he was JB's guy in town. Mm-hmm. Old man Bonanno. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Tom's already told us, you know, given us a history about Bonanos. this guy. Yeah, he came to me one time, and I'm hanging out at the trail, Spanish trail, and you know, I'm going to tell you this, but, but I'm just, or it's, I don't think we can go anywhere with it, you know, but I'm going to say this. If we do decide to go someplace with it, you guys got to give me a hand. Okay. Huh? Okay. Don't throw me out there to no fucking wolves or nothing. Okay. But I don't see how we can possibly go anywhere with it. He came to me, and I'm at the trail, the Spanish trail motel, one of the biggest at the time, one of the biggest in town. People, friends of mine, own it. They were half-ass, Louis Marconi and his dad. I pretty much had the run of the place. If you wanted a room to spend the night, wanted to bring a broad, come and see me. Here's a key for you. Just do your favors. The bar tab, I could drink all I want, eat all I want. I was their guy. Joey came to me and asked me if I could get him a room for one night, you know, for a friend of his who, a favor for the old man, is what he said. No problem, man, you know, I got him a room. He said, I'll meet you down here tomorrow afternoon. So the next afternoon, he met me. I gave him a key to the room. He said, take a ride with me to the airport. We drove to the airport. Well, I hate to sell you all this shit, but I'm just going to tell you, okay? Okay. He goes inside the airport. I sit out in the car. He came out with Peggy Baggage. We got in the car. He introduced her to me as Margaret. We went back to the hotel. Took her to her room. What year would this have been? This would have been 72. Okay. Summer. All right. We went back to the hotel. I gave her the key to the room, took her bag. She had just one bag, went in there. Joey left. I left. I had my room there. It was up the way. Joey says to me before he leaves, he said, why don't you have dinner with us tonight? I said, sure. You know, he says, pick her up at eight o'clock, come to the Contiki. It's a Polynesian joint here in town. I called her about 7.30. I said, I'm supposed to pick you up. Be about a bang. I'll be ready. So I go and pick her up. We drive to the Contiki. We went in there. There's Joey the Eye and Joe Bonanno. I went to the table. We all went to the table. The four of us, we sat there. We ate. We ordered. We ate. Now, Joe Bonanno was not my buddy. He's not a type of guy I hang around with or nothing, but I knew the old man. I knew him from his son, Joey Jr. I took his wife, Faye, one time when she was here in Tucson. Give you a little background here. Mm -hmm. And she had to go to California, to San Francisco, to her daughter's house, which was Catherine Genovese. And he asked me, He sent word for me to pick up his wife, take her and drive her to San Francisco, which was sort of like, you know how those dagos are. I mean, you don't just, they don't throw anybody in their car with their wives. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, mother and children. So I'm the one that took Faye to San Francisco, to Genovese's house. Anyway, he's there and he gives me that old bullshit that he always does. Oh, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. You're my boy, Joe. Oh, you looked out for my boy, Joey. He gives me all that shit. We had dinner there, and we ate. After dinner, Joey the Eye gives me the sign. 
He wants to talk to me, so we go to the bar. I leave the two of them alone. We went to the bar. We had a few drinks, me and him sitting there, you know. And basically, I could, I sensed right away what it was. It was just to get me away from the table. He didn't say that, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't question him, you know. You know what time it is in cases like that. And we went back to the table after a while, and that was it. They left. I took her. We went to the Barons, which was a bar here in town. Did a little dancing, a little drinking, shit like that. And that's how I met her. I got friendly with her. Mm-hmm. About two weeks after, I'm going to say two weeks, three weeks after that, Joey the Eye came to me and says, you want to take a trip? Okay. For the old man, for us, he said, for us. So I said, sure. I said, all right. He says, meet me down here. He gave me a certain time to meet him. He says, don't pack a bag. He says, just bring a suit. Travel, travel light. Because you're going to be going one night. Maybe two. Pack a... He was explicit about this. For me not to bring a suitcase. Bring a suit bag. So I took just a suit bag with a couple pairs of underwear in there, pairs of socks, a change of... One change. Mm-hmm. He picked me up. He drove me to the airport. He's got a one-way ticket to Alaska. I've never been to Alaska. He says, Gene Fowler is going to meet you at the airport. Okay. Now I knew... He knew Fowler. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Fowler used to come to Jester's Court all the time. He was hanging out over there at the time and everybody liked that. I never seen... Old Man Bonanno never came in there to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got on the plane. Oh, when he drove up there, he gave me the suitcase and the key to it. He said, here, don't even open this fucker. Just take it to Fowler. He'll meet you at the airport. Fowler meets me at the fucking airport when I get off the plane to Alaska. I'd never been there before. Danny Zivinich is with him. And he went to some fucking... It wasn't a hotel. It's like an apartment. That's where I spent the night. And I gave him a suitcase. Now, that's all I know. Later on, Danny tells me when I get back there, I went back, this must have been, I'm going to say September of 72. I went back April 73, and me and Zivinich got real tight. Okay. I hung out with Gene for a little while there at Chef's Inn and all that stuff. (coughs) Me and Zivinich got real tight. Zivinich told me later that it was a fucking bomb. And a high-tech bomb, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if he was just bullshitting me. When did that plane go down, you know? When did it go down? It went down in October of 72. Mm-hmm. I don't know who put it on there. I don't know. I don't even know if I was being bullshitted, if I was being lied to. Mm-hmm. I sort of feel like I was being told the truth. Well, when did... I know that Peggy and Zivinich mm-hmm. were half... And I'm not saying Peggy even had this done, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what the fucking story was there, you know? I know that it was something I wanted to, I wanted to know, but I didn't want to delve too much off into it. But it, it was, now who was it that told you that this high-tech bomb, was that Gene Fowler that told you that, or? That was Danny Zivinich. Danny Zivinich. My partner. See, see, I never heard of him in years. I have no idea where he's even at. He's real low, pro, he's real low profile. He didn't get into the drugs with us. Uh-huh. He stayed out of the drugs. Do you know where he's at now or anything? Danny Zivinich? I heard he's in Anchorage. Still in Anchorage, or? I hear he owns a bar out there, but I don't know for sure. I know that me, him, and Peggy went into business together. Mm-hmm. And she'd give him the, she'd give us the money mm-hmm. to open that joint. What do I think? My own personal opinion? I don't know. I don't know. I know that these people got tentacles that can reach all over the country sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that would be so fucking heavy. I mean, that's like I know killing the president, for Christ's sake, you know? Well, yeah, if it's even true. Yeah. And now, a quick ad break.
And now we're back with more of the transcript. I do know this. I know I kept the suitcase. I know I had the key, and I never opened it. In fact, I never even... I just carried it to the counter. They took it. When I got off, the baggage picked it up, and Gene Fowler took the fucking bag, you know? Mm-hmm. So I never opened it, but I wouldn't have done that anyway. I didn't know what was in it. I knew it wasn't drugs, though. Well, where... Where did... I mean, this first meeting down here is the first time you ever met Peggy, right? Yeah. Where did you meet these other people at? I mean, did she know the criminal? You, you never heard or how long they known her? I don't know. I really don't know, you know? And I, you know, I tried to ask her, and she was sort of secretive about that, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, because during that time, her husband was then a congressman, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, it, you, you just sort of expect them to travel in a different circle. And I was wondering where she would have met all these people at. Well, see, here's the thing. Let me say something to you about that. You, you say different circles. Mm-hmm. The fucking Deacon Cini buddies was with them down there, you know? The head of the FBI for the Anchorage area. Name was Jay Daly. He was at my house for parties and shit like that after I married her. Mm-hmm. You know, even the chief police, whatever his name was at the time. Flanagan at that time? I can't remember what his name was. But we'd go to banquets and shit. And we'd sit at his table. He'd sit with us and try and remember. I can't think of his name. You know, it was just one of those things. Uh-huh. They were around there. Pat Brown, you know, he came to town. He'd come to the house. Right. You know? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, when did you get back after you got back to Anchorage? Uh, when did you get back together with her? When, when did you see her again? I went back up in April, and I was working at the Holiday Inn, and she came to town. She checked into the Holiday Inn. She was staying there. Mm-hmm. See, and I've worked my shift. I was working the day shift, I think, at that time, and me and her go honky-tonking at night. And one thing leads to another, and, you know, well, we got married. And she says, what do you want to do? I want to have me a bar, you know? And we were hanging out with Danny a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, Danny came in with us, so the three of us bought that bar. I came down here and bought a house, bought a brand new house out here at the end of the Speedway, five acres of land, paid 75000 for it in those days, twenty-five grand cash down. Yeah, I'd imagine she got quite a quite an insurance settlement. She got she got fucking he had double indemnity on the apartments. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Double indemnity? An accidental death benefit type thing? Yeah. You get paid twice, I think. Yeah, it, it, you know, depending on what kind of policy you got. And the mortgage, the apartments were paid off free and clear. Mm-hmm. Did they blow him up? I don't know. Did JB have him blown up? I don't know. I know I took a fucking package up there. And they said it was a bomb. D- uh, Danny did. They might have been bullshitting me. What kind of bag was it they took up there? It wasn't... It was a suitcase. A suitcase? Yeah, but it wasn't a big one. Mm-hmm. And that's all I could... Hard suitcase or a soft suitcase? Looked like it was soft. I mean, you know... If I pressed on it, could I have felt something yeah. in there? Fabric side or was it plastic hard side? I think it was cloth. It was leather. I think it was hard leather. I just started pressing on it. Now, this would have been, you went up there that, uh, how, how many months were you, I mean, that plane went down November 72 to... Was it November or October? Or October, I'm not sure, I can't remember. I, I know it was early winter, uh, fall. You went up there when? Was that during the summer or something, or... I went up there, must have been September. September, okay. Yeah, it must have been September, because I, I was hanging out at the trail then, you know? And Joey the Eye is the one that gave you the bag? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that 
That would have been probably late October, early November, because... When the plane went down? Well, because his purpose for being up there was to help the Begich campaign for re-election, I believe. Yeah, now later on, I was down here when he went down. Mm-hmm. And we were all in the office over there on Broadway. Matter of fact, it was Walter Prito's office. Remember Prito? Mm-hmm. But he had an office over there on speed, on Broadway and uh, Country Club, right across from the Austin Sandwich Shop, upstairs in the Coldwell Banker Building. They had a big sign on it. And we're all in there. Me, Louis Marconi, him, somebody else. I can't think of a couple more guys. And they were talking about Boggs and the plane going down. And it was Prito that said something about, well, the fucker fucked with the FBI or something like that. They probably blew him up or something like that. That's what asshole Prito said, you know? So he's the one that brought up that shit about blowing him up. Mm-hmm. You know, now, were they blown up? Nobody knows if they were blown up there because they never found it. Not a trace. Not a trace of the fucking thing. I thought about it. Well, you know how the country is up there, though, I mean. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly, you know? And I thought about it. And, like, when Danny was talking to me, see, Danny was drunk, you know? Mm-hmm. You know how guys are when they get drunk. You know how they start their whiskey, start you running off, and he was talking about being a high-tech fucker. Mm-hmm. And just how high-tech was it, you know? And not only that, I thought about this later, you know? From what I understand, the plane was a spur-of-the-moment plan. Yeah, I don't recall. Did you? Did you? Enough of it. From what I understand, they were going to fly commercial mm-hmm. to Juno. I know it was a charter. Right. They were going to fly commercial to Juno and the flights that night. So all at once, they jumped up and said, "Well, let's charter a plane." So you know, just how if if they if they would have had a bomb, how do they know they're going to charter a plane? Right. You know, and how do they and how do they get it on there afterwards? Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. See, unless it was made for a car, and they were going to put it up under a car somewhere and said, well, fuck it, let's get the plane. Well, how do those people know that, see? Mm-hmm. That's where the mystery comes in, for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, because they don't know nothing about that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I remember when it went down, but I just don't know enough about the details about it. You know, she, she ran around on him a lot. Why? Did you know that? She had her a n- Yeah, that wasn't Shelly, was it? No, she had her an Air Force pilot from, was it Elmendorf Air Force Base? That's where he was out of. See, I've heard that a year or two before he was killed. Yeah, she had her... She was screwing around. She had a a black man, and Nick knew it. Nick went to Jesse Carr and cried like a baby and said, hey, she told me that he's coming to Washington with us, you know? Mm -hmm. And I guess he did go. (laughs) Somehow or other, he got transferred down there or something, you know? And Nick said he couldn't do nothing about it. I never... Off into that with her. Peggy never did say anything about that plane going down? I stayed away from over there. Only time we ever talked about it... I'm trying to think now. No, she didn't talk about it. She never talked about it. The only thing she mentioned about that plane was that the president called her. Who was it? Nixon at the time? Yeah. Nixon called her and told her that he's sending some kind of special plane to try and find it. Mm-hmm. And she stayed away from all that. She used to get mail from nuts telling her that they knew where he was and all this. Mm-hmm. You know... What have you, uh, since you, you got a divorce from her what year? 77. 77. Have you had any comment with her at all or corresponded with her? None at all. Well, I backed out of that. I backed out of that deal. Zivinich owed me some money. I got my money from him. And I just backed away from that whole deal up there, you know? You see, there's a lot of, lot of pieces to that puzzle that we'll never be able to put together. Mm-hmm. You know, now, I was out at a target range once. Not at target... Yeah, at the target range down there on the way to Seward. Shooting range out. Down Potter's Way. I was down there shooting one day. 
me and Lance and Sal Spinelli. Mm-hmm. And we looked up on the hill and Lance come up to me and he says, there's a Volkswagen up there. Guy is watching us. A few minutes later, I glanced up there and I could see the guy up there watching us. So we got in my car when we got through shooting and we took off. And sure enough, as we drove by the place he was parked, he waited and he got out and he cold trick on us. And he's way back behind us. So I pulled into a little store and he stopped. So finally, I got him into town and I pulled into a shopping center. And sure enough, he's in traffic, you know. He got up a little closer and he followed me in a shopping center. So I turned around real quick and I pulled up right alongside him to check him out. And he ducked down and he had a beard on him, fucking some... I got his license plate number. So we went back to the bar and I called the Department of Motor Vehicles and I said, I got a car parked here, little story. I want to get it towed away. Can you tell me who owns it? And they give it. And I called the guy and I says, hey, who are you? Why are you trailing me? And he was a newspaper reporter and he says... I've got to come down and talk to you. And he came down to the bar. He had, he had a fake beard on. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I heard that Peggy was tied up with the mafia. He says, uh, I was just trying to get a story, man. And he says, da-da-da, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it started hitting up there that she was tied up with the mafia. Were you up there? Were you up there? You remember that? Yep. That she was tied up with the mob. And Well, the re- I mean, the reason that you know it got to be common knowledge how you guys got married you were playing a role up there too, you know, that you were tied in with the family down, you know, in Arizona. I mean, tell everybody. Oh, yeah. That speculation was out there. Peggy Begich tied up with the mob. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the and the trip to Arizona and... Uh... And that's the end of Side A. We're going to pause here again for a quick ad break. We're back with more of the transcript. We're on side B of tape two. Time now is 1354. I'm going to tell you how she was. She was very cagey along these lines. I stole money out of that bar. I'm talking about if I had a $5,000 night, I'd put $500 in my pocket, cash. And Danny would put 500 in his, you know. She didn't want to know nothing about that. In the very beginning, I was going to, you know, chop it up with her a little bit, you know. But she wanted to stay away from that. She stayed away from shit she wanted to stay away from. See, I'm sure that's the politician in her. Oh, yeah. You know, like, and then as soon as I picked up on that, I stayed, I didn't tell her nothing, you know? Now, she knew I was doing drugs. Uh Uh-huh. I never did any in front of her. My guess would have been, and, and, you know, I guess I'm wrong, you know, more or less. I've seen women like that. They get in the nose habit themselves. No, not her. Never touched it. Okay. Never touched it. I, I would have guessed she probably had. Never happened. I'm pretty hung up on that shit. One time I had a joint, weed, and I'm not a big weed guy. When we had first started going out and I was getting high on some weed, and I said, here, try this. And she tried a little bit of it. And she felt real bad about that later, about trying that weed. Well, she had six kids. Mm-hmm. You know? I never tried to get her to do any cocaine. I never did any in front of her. Did she ever know anything about those two, two murders that you were somewhat involved in? No, when I left up there, I called her back one time when I was down here, and she started questioning me about one. She says, who is O.V. and all this? Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. The police had been to her, you know? 
Now, his mother and sister came up there and ran his picture in the paper. Remember that? Um, vaguely. And they put down, if anybody's seen this man, contact the Holiday Inn, room so-and-so, so-and-so. They were living somewhere in Nevada, I think, you know? I don't know what you guys want to do on that. Want to call him and tell him any, you know, if he's down or... That's up to you guys. Okay. I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah, we might, but, you know... He was involved in a lot of shit. Well, he was a... He was an outlaw. Yeah, he was a fucking outlaw. He was, I'm... I'm not passing judgment on anybody, but I'm saying, you know... Look, as you know, there's certain fucking rules you go by and certain rules you don't. And if you break the rules, you got to be ready for the circumstances. That goes with life. There's relatively few innocent victims out there. Yeah, that goes with life. I mean, myself included, you know. But I, I can snivel, I can cry. So what, man? I'm fucking down, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm lucky I went this far. I'm lucky I made it this far, ain't I? Mm-hmm. I'm 54. I'm lucky I made it to 54. Now, Fowler, see, I, I've known the Fowlers for years. All their gambling joints. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, you know. Uh, had you ever talked to Gene after him? Well, yeah. I seen Gene for years. I seen him up there after that. I used to go to his, the joint, the penthouse, and his other gambling joints and all that. I mean, did he ever mention anything about what that was? or? No, I didn't. I didn't push him on that. And, you know, it's, it's I don't know if you... Well, you know how business is. Okay, I'm sorry. There's certain things you do, you just, you just stay away from. You know, you do them and you just shut up about them and go on, you know? Zivinich and me were drinking. He got drunk, and as far as I know, he might have been bullshitting. Uh-huh. I don't know. <clears throat> you know, I... And he might have had his whiskey muzzles all up and been lying to me, you know? That plane might have went down on its own. I don't know. It was cloudy weather, from what I understand. It was a bad night. Yep. And who knows? It seems funny to me that they never found a piece of it no place. But then again, how do you put a bomb on a fucking plane and know where it's going to blow up? I mean, do you time it when it's over the ocean? How do you know it's not going to hit over... You know, that's why I think that it might, you know... Unless... <clears throat> unless Fowler or somebody else had a lot more expertise than I'd ever give him credit for. I don't know where the expertise would have come in. I think it might have... I don't think it would have been from Fowler. Sure. I don't know. I wouldn't think so. I think they're still up there. I think Gene's still up there. He's still up there, I'm sure. I talked to his brother. Which one? Tom or... Oh, it must have been... About four. Three, four years ago. His brother Larry was down here. <coughs> Larry. And I talked to... Yeah, and I talked to Larry here at the place called Barron's. Mm-hmm. They don't... Is he living down here now or... Who, Larry? Yeah. I think he's in Anchorage. Got a pawn shop up there. And that, listener, is the end for now. As I said earlier, we're not sharing the entire transcript. Again, it's 71 pages long, and not all of it pertains directly to this story. During the interview, in addition to the alleged bombing, Paisley discussed other crimes too, including multiple murders. He said he didn't love Peggy Begich, that he used her for her money. He made other claims about Peggy, which I'm not including. And he said he couldn't stand her six kids, his stepkids, whom he called smart but undisciplined, though he did refer to Mark Begich as, quote, a nice kid. So, to review the transcript, Paisley claimed that Peggy Begich met with Joe Bonanno in 1972, that he, Paisley, transported a locked suitcase to Alaska shortly thereafter, and that Danny Zivinich, his business partner, 
later told him that the suitcase contained explosives and that the missing congressman's plane had been bombed. 11 weeks later, after this initial interview, someone conducted a second in-person follow-up interview with Paisley, according to FBI documents I obtained, which black out the investigator's name. Initially, I thought the investigator was an FBI agent. Now, I'm pretty sure it was Tom Davis, not someone from the FBI. So too does Davis, who stayed in touch with Paisley. But because Davis can't recall exact dates, he isn't 100% sure. Paisley repeatedly named the same six people as having taken part in, or as having knowledge of, the alleged bombing of the congressman's missing plane. One of those six people was Larry Fowler. The second Paisley interview, the follow-up interview, took place on January 23, 1995. 27 days later, Larry Fowler was shot to death on a remote road in Alaska. Next time, I'm Missing in Alaska. He called Washington, and Washington said, don't do anything. You, you don't put anybody on this. Do not open an investigation. Send everything you got to us. This week, one task. If you agree that the Alaska Department of Public Safety should look for and release records and tapes pertaining to this case, especially tapes of the 1994 interview with Jerry Paisley, feel free to contact them. Their email is dps.commissioner.office at alaska.gov. That's dps.commissioner.office at alaska.gov. You can reach us by phone at 1-833-MIA-TIPS. That's 1-833-642-8477. Again, 1-833-642-8477. Or you can reach us via email at tips at iheartmedia.com. That's tips, T-I-P-S, at iheartmedia.com. An important note, none of the people Jerry Paisley claimed took part in or had knowledge of the alleged bombing, Joe Bonanno, Joe Ayatorola, Danny Zivinich, Gene Fowler, Larry Fowler, or Peggy Begich were ever charged with or convicted of any crimes tied to any of Paisley's allegations. Peggy Begich and Danny Zivinich declined multiple interview requests. Gene Fowler was unavailable for an interview. Joe Bonanno, Joe Ayatorola, and Larry Fowler are dead. Ben Bolin is our executive producer. Paul Deccant is our supervising producer. Chris Brown is our assistant producer. Seth Nicholas Johnson is our producer. Sam Teagarden is our research assistant. And I'm your host and executive producer, John Walzak. You can find me on Twitter at, at John Walzak, J-O-N-W-A-L-C-Z-A-K. Special thanks to Scott C. Leeds, who voiced Jerry Paisley, Joe McCormick, who voiced Mike Grimes, Robert Lamb, who voiced Dave Tullis, and Seth Nicholas Johnson, who voiced Tom Davis. Missing in Alaska is a co-production of iHeartMedia and Greenfort Media.